Welcome to our new podcast, Building Astropad. I'm Matt Runge, co-founder and CEO at Astropad, and I'll be taking you behind the scenes at our company, where we build software and hardware products for creative people. So if you're a creator, interested in bootstrapping a business, or starting your next big project, join us in learning together. Well, hi, everyone. My name is Matt Runge, and I am CEO and co-founder at Astropad. And I'm here with Savannah. Savannah, want to introduce yourself? Yes. My name is Savannah Reesing, and I am the marketing director for Astropad. I've been on the team for about four years now. So been along for the ride, and there have been lots of ups and downs, which That's we're going to sure. talk about a little bit. Yeah. So what are we going to talk about today? What what ups and downs are we going to talk about today? Well, we are coming up on the one year anniversary of Astropad getting Sherlocked by Apple. And so I want to talk about like what that experience looked like, you know, in the immediate aftermath, but then also everything that's happened in the last year and what what we're up to now, because we have a lot of stuff on the horizon. And yeah, it's been a lot of ups and downs. So I think we should start with going back to a year ago, talking about actually getting Sherlocked. But I didn't even know what Sherlocked meant before Sidecar came out a year ago. So do you want to give like a little overview of what it is? Yeah, we can start there. So Sherlocking is... Really, it's a term that's been around for a while, I think since the late 90s, when Apple copied this third-party utility that helped search the internet. It was called Watson. And Apple made their own version and called it Sherlock. So not only was the name was pretty much a blatant ripoff, but the software itself was also pretty pretty blatant ripoff of what the third-party developer Watson was doing. And so it's become kind of infamous in the Apple developer ecosystem of being Sherlocked and Apple has done it, you know, many, many times and many developers over the years. Are there any like big developer names that come to mind when you think of Sherlocking in the, I don't know, recent history? Oh, in terms of recent history. Well, there was a bunch last year at WWC. There was, I'm trying to think who else. I think Tile, right? They kind Tile, of well, Tile's, Yeah, Tile's one that's that's going to be coming up here. That It hasn't really been released yet. Oh, okay. Apple's, but it's it's totally around, it's totally around the corner. And well, that actually has, the Tile situation actually has a lot of parallels to ours, actually, which, which will be <laughs> interesting to get into a bit. Otherwise... Oh man, off the top of my head, I'm not I'm not coming up with with great examples. Mm-hmm. But there's been generally every WWC Apple's developer conference, people are like, "Okay, who's who's getting Sherlock this year?" Yeah, I remember watching, you know, in my first few years at Astropad, like watching the WWDC conference and everyone would be kind of on the edge of their seat while well, it was over Slack, but like everyone would be like, "Oh no, are they going to start talking about screen sharing or iPads and Mac integration. And then last year that finally happened. So yeah. <laughs> Did you yeah. see it coming? Uh, no, <laughs> no. And so we'd always been worried about it. We'd always been worried. It seemed like a very natural feature for Apple to do. The thing that always kept us feeling somewhat safe is Apple's always had this very 
clear distinction between they don't want the Mac to be a touchscreen computer, right? They want the iPad for that. And as soon as you put the Mac screen onto the iPad, it really becomes like a touchscreen Mac. And we're like, they're just not going to want to do that. They're going to refuse to do that. It comes with all sorts of weird trade-offs that that we've seen, you know, when using our products, AstroPad and Lunar Display. And we just didn't think Apple was going to do that. But they did, and they did it by turning off touch interaction on the iPad. So that's their way of dealing with it. You can't do touch in, in their version. But to back up a bit, to explain that as well, so our first product is called AstroPad, and it turns the iPad into a high-end drawing tablet, really for professional work where you want to draw onto the Mac. And we had a spinoff product from that that's actually a hardware device that turns the iPad into a second display, a wireless second display. And you can interact with the device and, and touch it and pan and zoom and everything just like you would on an iOS, regular iOS app, but it's actually connected to your Mac. It shows up as a screen on your Mac. And so those are our two main products. And Apple last year at WWDC introduced a competing feature that's bundled with the Catalina operating system called Sidecar that actually includes both features. It includes being able to create a second display on the iPad, and it allows you to use the pencil to draw into Mac apps. So it was really a real, real shot across the bow because it, it really hit both of our products. And one of the reasons we did Luna Display originally as well, was not only was it going to make our first product, AstroPad, better, but we were always concerned, like, what if Apple did introduce a Touch Mac with pencil support? All of a sudden, AstroPad would be obsolete overnight. And so we thought, okay, if we can also use our technology to make the iPad work as a second display, you know, even if Apple introduces a Mac that supports pencil, well, our other product, Luna, that turns the iPad into a second display will still be useful. You know, so that was kind of the thinking there. We never thought that it would be both at the same time. And I remember like rumors came out about Sidecar in April. And when we heard those, we started kind of plotting like, okay, so if it does this and it has these features, then we'll yeah, kind of right. position AstroPad like this. Or on the other hand, if it you know, doesn't have pencil support, then we can take kind of a different route. But we, I don't know, I think we prepared as best as we could, but we were still surprised by how Sidecar was being presented by Apple. Yeah, we were surprised by how big of a tentpole pe feature it was for the macOS Catalina. We were surprised to the extent at which they built it out and even features that we were thinking about doing in the future that they had built in there. Like we were thinking about the, the local Wi-Fi support where you don't have to have a Wi-Fi router nearby is one that we've been talking about for a while that they actually built in there as well. So it was, it was pretty shocking to say the least. And I think the other reason why we were so surprised was because Apple had been kind of courting us for a while, which I don't know how much of we can talk about. <laughs> sure. This, but yeah, they I mean, they had been in touch with us. And it seemed like they were really interested in what we were doing. But I guess we thought they had different motives than what they were actually up to. Yeah, for sure. And we could probably that could be its own episode in itself, just on yeah, just everything sure. leading up to it. Yeah, we had certainly been in communication with with people at Apple. And we kind of figured that, okay, they were going to help 
promote us or if they really wanted to do it, that they would, you know, come knocking with perhaps acquisition offer. And that would be our tip off that they were doing it. But instead, we were surprised. We were surprised first with a leak to the press, actually, that tipped us off first. And, you know, then it was WWC that it really, really things came crashing down on us. Yeah. So what for you, like, what did that feel like? Because I know what I felt like (laughs) watching that WWC keynote last year. Like, I remember I like shut my computer off and like went for a really long walk because I was like, oh my gosh, I literally don't know what is going to happen. But you're the CEO. So what did what did that feel like for you? Yeah, it was devastating. Right. Like here's something that, you know, we've bootstrapped this company up. We've never raised outside investment. It's all been on the the hard work of everybody on the team. And we've built it through sales to customers. And, you know, my co-founder Giovanni and I, we had spent so many late nights years ago building the first version of Astropad and building some of the, the initial technology. It just felt like in the moment that all of that was crashing down that it was all burning to the ground. And it was like, oh my God, I'm going to walk away with like nothing from this. Like it's going to be, this is all over. You know, that's what I was fearing in the moment. And there was more at stake because it wasn't just you and Giovanni anymore. Like we were a team of like 12 or 13 people at that point. Absolutely. So that, you know, that, that sense of responsibility too, that it's like, wow, we really, we really need to pull through this for our team, for, for, for everyone. So it was really, yeah, it was really devastating. And yeah, I just wondered, like, is how are we going to get out of this, right? Like, I knew we had to. I knew so much was on the line that I knew. So the first day was really just shock, mm-hmm. just total shock. And, but by the second or third day, I started to feel like a caged animal. I was just, I was just mad. I was just ready to fight back. Yeah, I kind of went through like almost feelings of grief or like the stages of grief where it's like, first you're in shock and then you're just pissed. And then maybe there's like denial in there somewhere. And absolutely. Oh, there was totally denial. I remember waking up the next morning and being like, was that a bad dream? Like literally like waking up and being like, did I dream that? Did this really happen? Like, was that a nightmare? Because that's a really bad nightmare. And there was like, oh, shit, it's. Yeah. <laughs> this is this is real. I need to deal with this. You know, and then on top of it, try to get myself together also for the rest of the team too because people are looking for answers. Well, yeah, and we had immediately social media blowing up, but not in a good way. And not people way just saying like rest in peace Astropad, like you guys are done and we had to respond to those people. Like we had to put something out there. And especially because we we have a lot of customers who rely on our products every day. And I think they were worried too that we were we were going to abandon them. And so I think after like some of those stages, it was like, okay, we gotta pull it together and say something publicly about what's going on. Like we couldn't just deny it. So we like I remember you and Giovanni put out like a message from the founders saying the message was pretty much like, we're not going anywhere and we're not going to abandon our customers and we're going to like keep innovating. And I think that was the right thing to do instead of just like sitting back and letting social media like rip us apart. 
Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, the marketing team did an awesome job too, responding there, just like quick, just getting, getting stuff out there, contacting the press, getting our message out there. Like, Hey, we're not going anywhere. You know, we're going, if we're going down, we're going down with a fight. Yeah. Pretty much the attitude. We pretty much like deliberately turned the narrative around. Cause at first, yeah, there were press articles. that was like, they were like, Astropad is done. And then we put out that message from the founders and the headlines started switching and saying like, you know, we're not giving up. Astropad isn't giving up. Like they're going to stick around and keep fighting. And it just turned the whole thing into something more positive. And I think people looked at that and they saw, well, this is a really great company with that does innovative things and maybe, you know, they'll come up with something great next. And I can't wait to see what happens. At least that's what I hope people were thinking when they saw those headlines. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, what, what else was going through your mind at that, <laughs> that initial week? Like what else? I was like, am I going to have a job? Like <laughs> who, who, who am I going to work for? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Like I thought about that. I think I called a friend and I was like, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. But yeah, I mean, you know me, I love the press and like controversy and all of that. And so it was really, I don't know, I got fired up about responding to all of that. And yeah, taking taking a time or taking the moment to, I don't know, make something better out of it. And I think it got better and better too, because when the beta started coming out and people actually started trying sidecar and it was like, wow, this actually is not going to replace our products. And, you know, we still have something to offer. It just felt better. And over the last year, it's, I don't know, sidecar seems like less and less of a threat to us. Yeah, for sure. I mean, well, because we're still here a year later recording this 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 podcast. And yeah, can't get rid team. of us. <laughs> yeah, we, <laughs> we don't go away easily. And it's the, still, still the same team. We never had to do layoffs. Nobody left the team. We're still chugging along there. And I remember that was one of the first things I had to do after that, too, is I like went and I... I started in Excel and I started to do like financial projections. Like, okay, what if things go down by 50%? What if they go down by 70%? What if they go down, you know, different scenarios and then plot out, okay, what does it look like? Right. So we did that. And then we were able to go to the team and be like, Hey, look, like everybody still has a job. We're not laying everybody off. You know, that was like really important to do quickly because we figured everybody was worried about that. Yeah. Yeah. And that was, well, and I remember, like in the first hours after Sidecar was announced, like you were pretty quiet. Like you didn't really say much. And I was like, I know he's probably like in shock and like processing all of this, but also like the whole team is waiting. Like the whole team needs to hear what you have to say. And I think it was really important for you in that moment to like come out and be a cheerleader for the team because if you if you didn't sound positive and like hyped up about fighting then why would anyone want to stick around you know like you really had to sell the team on the vision for the company at that point because it felt pretty dire but I think you did a good job of that and I am curious to hear like what did your conversations look like with Giovanni in that time like did you guys know that right away that we had a plan in our back pocket or was it like, I don't know, it took some time to figure out? Well, we did to a certain extent. The conversations between us, I would say at that time were 
well, we weren't giving up. There was no way we were giving up. You know, it was just like, what direction do we go in? And there was really two schools of thought. And we even talked with, you know, external advisors about this as well. It was, okay, do we bring our current products to, say, a new platform like Windows or Android or, you know, some other combination? Do we look for new fertile ground elsewhere? Or do we try to build a completely new product altogether? And that was some of the discussion. And at different times, we were on different different sides of it. You know, often Giovanni would be like, you know, I want to do something completely new. Let's do something completely new. And, you know, I'd be like, let's go to Windows. And we kind of go back and forth. And there was probably a third option in there too, which was like, should we just put all of our engineering efforts at building new features into our existing products to, you know, help them compete better with Sidecar. But I don't feel like that was a good long-term approach. No. And that's, you know, probably why I didn't even mention it because we didn't seriously consider that one for long because we're like, look, free bundled with the operating system is really hard to compete with. That is really hard. So we need an alternate plan. And that's where Windows came in. And it's interesting that, you know, looking back after a year now, we're actually pursuing both plans in a way where we have, so there's been multiple tracks. We've been calling them, you know, multiple trains or multiple tracks going on at once. We're the main one where almost all the engineering effort, marketing effort, everything going into is really porting our products to Windows. That's the main track. But there's also been a track with some other folks on the team working on building out completely new products as well. And so that's, those are a little further off, but that's still as well. And I didn't realize we ended up there until reflecting on this past year and where we started, but we have ended up in a position where the primary task is to get to Windows, but then the secondary is also to open up new markets with new products as well. That's, that's coming along. Hardware products. Hardware products. Yes, yes, yes. Yes, hardware products, which we do have ideas for other software products too, but it just so happens right now that our, that our hardware team has, has availability to work on hardware products. And we got tons of ideas there as well. Yeah, I think it would have been dangerous if we had stayed in the mindset of like, let's just keep adding more and more features to Luna and Astropad. Like, of course we want to do that. And we have a lot of ideas for that. But if we had gotten stuck in that, we would always be competing with Apple. And that is a dangerous place to be. I think before Sidecar, we didn't see Apple as a competitor, but they are a competitor. Like we live on their platform, but they also Sherlocked us. And so I think the decision to go cross-platform to Windows is beneficial to, you know, or future Windows customers, but also our existing customers because it helps us literally live longer and not risk getting Sherlocked again. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And you know, it's something we wanted to do for a long time as well to get to Windows, but it's been a really hard project. Yeah. Why did we put it off for so long? (laughs) Yeah. So Windows has been a really hard project and yeah, we, we did put it off for so long and that's not for lack of trying. Actually, we did try Multiple times in the past, we looked into ways that we could port our software stack to Windows. So some background here is our products run on, we have some proprietary technology we call Liquid. 
It's a combination of really low latency, high quality video codec coupled with a network protocol that's written for, for Wi-Fi and written for the really the needs of Astropad and Luna. And that stuff is all written in Objective-C, which is really the language of Apple's platforms. And it's not well supported outside of the Apple ecosystem. So we had all this huge amount of code written specifically for Apple's platform. And you might say, well, why did you guys do that? Why didn't you write it in something that could work across all sorts of different platforms? Well, to understand that, you have to go to the mindset of when we first shipped Astropad 1.0. And at that point, we were trying to get to a 1.0 as fast as possible. And it happened to be that the language we knew the best was Objective-C. So we ended up building this, this technology base. And so we tried to figure out how we could get it to Windows. And we talked to other companies that had done it. There had been different you know, frameworks from Microsoft and different... GNU step and different ways to port it to other operating systems. But ultimately, none of them felt like a viable long-term solution. And there were a ton of work, a ton of work even then. And seeing now over the past year, we've made tremendous, tremendous progress on running our products on Windows. And just seeing how much work that is, we've taken all the software engineers on the team, and they're all working 100% on Windows. So going back two years ago and being like, hey, we're going to stop all future development and we're just going to put everybody to work on Windows would have been a really, really bitter pill to swallow. So it really like required something as drastic as, as Apple competing with us to be like, we have no other choice. Like all the other bridges have been burned. We need to get to Windows. And this is going to be really hard, but we have no other choice. And, you know, it's, it's paying off. It's paying off building now this, this platform that's going to be cross-platform with our liquid tech. And we're going to be able to build not only Astropad and Luna for Windows, but also new products in the future as well off of it. Yeah. So we couldn't see it at the time. A year ago, we couldn't see this, but Sidecar really was like a blessing in disguise because it really pushed us in a direction that we needed to go. And it it was a hard, there were trade-offs for sure. Like you can't do everything. You can't keep adding new features and go cross-platform and launch new products. Like we were a team of 12 or 13 people. So, but yeah, Sidecar helped push us in that direction. Yeah, absolutely. It has been a blessing in disguise. If I went back to me a year ago, I, I would never have said that at the time. But now the, some of the transformation we've gone through, it has been. It's really setting us up to be a company that can last for the long term. Mm -hmm. And well, you should talk a little bit, just touch on briefly why we're working in Rust because yeah. that, mm -hmm. that's been a big thing for the engineering team. That's a good point. So part of the problem before with also getting to Windows is we looked at porting Objective-C and we were like, this is not going to work. So we're like, okay, let's rewrite our code. Like maybe we should start rewriting our code and replacing parts of it over time. But we just didn't have the plan to do that. You know, we were looking at what could we use? Could we use like C++ to write it in? We're like, well, nobody's, nobody's fired up about doing that. And then one of our engineers, Jeremy, brought uh, Rust forward and was like, hey, there's this new pretty cutting edge language that's cross-platform. It's really high performance. It can be good for like low-level software, like our technology stack. And, you know, a lot of companies are jumping on it, you know, like it's heavily backed by Mozilla, this could be a good option. And we looked at it and 
yeah, it looked great. It looked like a great language to build cross-platform software in. And people on our team were really fired up about it. Like they were excited about porting our, our code to Rust versus if previously, you know, for, for those you know, that know programming languages, I'd said like, hey, we're going to port it to C++. Well, nobody, nobody was excited about that. But Rust, people were excited about. And it seemed like a language that was going to be high performance. It was going to help cut down errors in our code with its type checking system. And it was going to really build a solid platform for the future. And so that was that was great. And that was really one of the missing pieces we needed. And that kicked off the early development of our Liquid platform, was then started in Rust. And if I'm understanding this correctly, it is going to be faster code, too, for our current products, like on Mac. So it's not just you know bringing us to Windows, but it's going to be making the experience better for all of our existing Mac users. Absolutely. Absolutely. So it's going to be faster and it's going to be more secure just by nature of using Rust. It's a, it's a really powerful language and we'll be using it certainly for all of our, our future products. Mm -hmm. I want to go back a little bit to what we were talking about earlier with like team morale and like financial stuff post sidecar because yeah, I think that was really impactful for the team for how you ended up handling that with, you know, being our cheerleader and making sure that no one was concerned about their job security. So what what did you do as a CEO to make sure that people felt secure in their jobs? Yeah, so the really big change for us as a bootstrap company is we had generally generally month to month had been profitable. You know, that's how we operated. We added people to the team when we had more profits to cover that. And so we grew, you know, grew slowly and steadily. And then all of a sudden with Sidecar, we saw our revenue going down drastically. And Luna, so Astropad revenue didn't take a hit for a while. Luna revenue took a big hit quickly. I'm talking almost 10x, practically overnight, that our revenue went down on Luna. So it was a big shock to the system. And you know, people were seeing sales numbers. People knew this. People knew that revenue had really fallen off, right? And we had never really talked about like cash on hand. We'd never really talked about profit that much. We'd really only talked previously in terms of sales. And I realized that if anyone was going to believe me, that people still had their jobs and that we had some runway to get to Windows that we had to open things up and we had to let people know. We had to let people judge for themselves because otherwise they weren't going to take what I was saying seriously. They're just going to be like, well, you know, maybe they're just saying, maybe their tolerance for risk is different than mine. But instead it was like, okay, we need to open up our books. We need to show the team how much cash we have, how much we're burning, what our runway looks like, everything laid out there so they can make the call themselves too and be like, am I comfortable with this situation? And yeah, I think it's been a good change too. You know, there has been a bunch of changes like that that we'd always thought about doing. And all of a sudden with Sidecar, there wasn't time to second guess. It was just go. It was just do it. Yeah, and it's been a good change that's stuck around. Like every quarter now we talk about what are what are not only what our sales are looking like, but where we are with our cash on hand and 
One of the things that I love that changed after Sidecar is we have these like open-ended questions portions of our weekly meetings. And especially in those weeks after Sidecar, the weeks and months, you know, you would get kind of grilled by the team. Like people, <laughs> people would have questions about finances and it was all, you know, open to to questioning. And I think I think that helped people feel more secure because it didn't feel like you were hiding anything. Yeah. And how, you know, how Giovanni and I, again, my co-founder and the head of product at Estropad, how we've talked about it in the past too is, look, we've got really smart people on our team. You can't BS them, right? So like, we better just be frank. We better just tell them the truth. Tell, let's tell them what's going on. Like they're going to see through it. You know, they're smart people too. And so they may even see things that we don't see. So it's better just to get it out there and just be open about it. It's a lot easier. Like I thought we were being transparent prior to this, but I realized we really weren't. We really needed to crank it up a level and it's, it's, yeah, it's been beneficial. So what did the prognosis look like for the team a year ago? Like, what did you, what did you tell us about, you know, how long we could survive before getting to Windows or launching another product or what did that yeah, look like? Yeah, yeah. So it's changed throughout the year as well for a very positive reason though, and that it it never impacted us as badly as we thought it might. I think in the summer I was talking about we had runway to go a year and we needed to launch a Kickstarter in the early part of 2020, which granted we haven't done yet. <laughs> We're talking this today, what's June 2020, we haven't launched the Kickstarter yet. But that's okay because of well actually couple things we did we should talk about like so the marketing team was pushing a lot of sales to keep things going which maybe you want to talk about that yeah well that was like i would say july through november of december of 2019 where we were running a lot of sales trying to close this gap that we were seeing between you know our spending and and what we were bringing in and that worked well. It did it did work to close the gap and we had months where we weren't, you know, dipping into our cash reserves. But the problem is that over time we felt like we were fatiguing our audience, you know, constantly going back to the same group of people asking them to buy our products, which they already had. And mm -hmm. that brought up a whole set of other discussions around, yep. you know, realizing that we do need to launch new products and especially new hardware products. And so we kind of put the sales on pause, like starting in 2020, we were like, we're not going to worry about, you know, sales and getting rid of inventory or anything. We decided instead to focus on some branding issues, some like pretty core, like fundamental branding issues that we had known about for a long time, but we had just never had the opportunity to address them. For a long time, we had talked about wanting to have more of a parent brand for the company because we had our products, Astropad Standard, Astropad Studio, and then Luna Display, but no real umbrella brand that was uniting all of them. And we knew that in the future we were going to launch more products, but we didn't want all of the extra work of having to launch a whole new brand without leveraging the existing 
brand equity that we already had. And so we decided to, you know, put our product branding not on the back burner, but make it, you know, sit in the passenger seat next to our parent brand, Astropad, the name of our company. And we decided to, yeah, launch a new website, bring all of our products into the, just one website. So merge in all of our separate websites. And that was a lot of work. That was pretty much the first half of 2020 that we were working on that, where we had to you know, merge our Shopify site in with our new WordPress site. And it was a big job. And we're only three people on the marketing team. So we were pretty tied up with that for a while. Yeah. And we're realizing more and more that that was the right decision to, because we broke out Linda Display in its own brand initially. and Which made sense at the time. Yeah. Yeah. Going back to our shoes then. Yeah. Yeah. It just wasn't a, a good long-term strategy. We've definitely outgrown it. You know, and the talk too, if we have other hardware products in development, well, we don't want to do a, a new brand for each one of those. You know, yeah. So that's why I think it's really for the long-term going to be the better the better call. And, you know, another thing we should talk about that happened within the past year, like that also really helped out was not only the sales and, and we knew like, we didn't want to be keep going back to our list like that and keep contacting our customers. And, but we were really waiting for the other shoe to drop. And, and how was, we saw it is like, we wanted to stick around. And so we wanted to close that gap so we could hang on to our cash as long as possible. And as you said, that worked really well. And then another thing that I think was a pretty pivotal moment for us was when we released Mac to Mac support mm, that we were calling yeah. Big Mac oh, internally yeah, Big Mac. <laughs> for Lunar Display. That was a big deal. Yeah. So we launched Mac to Mac support, which meant that you could now use a Mac as a second display for your primary Mac. And Again, I think people had been requesting this feature for a long time, and this was something that really set us apart from Sidecar. So yeah, that happened around October of last year, and I mean, it was a good sales bump, but also I think it just sent a good message to our customers, you know, saying like, hey, we're going to keep pushing and making sure that this product is better and better for you. Yeah, I think both for our customers and for our team too. And I remember we got a bunch of kudos from the press where they're like, yeah, this is how you deal with being Sherlock. You know, you you come up with something new, mm-hmm. innovative. And so we were we were really proud of that. Yeah, but the team definitely needed that too, just as like a morale booster because it was, it was tough for a, a while after, you know, in those months after Sidecar was announced. So we needed, we needed a win as a team, something to make us feel good. So yeah. And Mac to Mac today still continues to to do well for us. Like some people buy Lunar Display just for the Mac to Mac support still. Mm-hmm. So it was really good. And even how we did that too was interesting. Like all the engineers on the team were still focused on Windows. Like they never took their eye off building us the Rust code base for Windows that whole time. But then our co-founder Giovanni, he just went off in like a mission for like a month, just kind of almost went dark and was just like, I'm going to put this together, right? And he put together Mac to Mac so we could respond quickly. Again, the kind of thing we typically wouldn't do in an ordinary scenario, but this was this was no ordinary time. And we were like, we need this, right? So we were pulling out all the stops, including you know, him going off and just 
working on building a brand new future for us like that. Yeah. So, you know, at the time, like a year ago, we didn't know what was in store for us with Sidecar, but I think putting it all together, I am proud of what we did to kind of pivot after that. You know, everything from, you know, seizing the narrative at the beginning and making sure that we were sending the right message to the press, but then launching Mac to Mac, Big Mac, and, you know, sending the right message to our customers and then giving ourselves a chance to take a step back and work on the fundamentals of our branding and getting that all in a good spot before we go over to this huge new Windows market. Yeah, I think a year ago, I yeah, I didn't know what to expect, but looking back now, I'm really yeah, I'm really am satisfied with how we handled everything. I don't know, would you have done anything differently? Oh, that's a that's a good question. Would I have done anything differently? You know, nothing's coming to mind right now because yeah, because I'm also like really happy with how all things have come and we're the end is we're not finished with porting our stuff to Windows and in the coming months we'll have a public beta of Astropad available. We're not there yet, but you know, the end is in sight. You know, we see the light at the end of the tunnel at this point. Which a year ago we were just starting out on this like mission into the unknown. We're like, we've never developed for Windows. What's this gonna be like? You know, and now now we have a lot more under our belt. Uh yeah, no, I think it's it's been a year where we've had to grow a lot as a company. You know, not in terms of size, but just in terms of like what we do and like stretching ourselves and dealing with new situations. And everybody's come a really long way. And I think it's it's really setting us up to be around for the long term and not just being like a say a one trick pony within the Apple ecosystem. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And another thing too is a major thing that happened in the last year was in March, you know, COVID-19 and the pandemic and everything hit. And In a way, I think everything that we went through before that helped us to be better prepared as a company to handle the pandemic and all of the, you know, economic uncertainty in the world because we had already been doing like, you know, cutting costs and things like that. And so when that hit, I know we had just already been through so much, like we had given ourselves enough of a cushion to like handle something else. Yeah, absolutely. I remember talking to people at other companies too and being like, how's how's everything going at your company? How are you handling the COVID stuff? And it was like, well, actually, you know, we're we're one of the lucky few here because we had already buckled down like previously the year before, you know, with with me and Sherlock, we had cut costs. You know, we never had to let anybody go, but we cut services that weren't essential. We massively cut our ad spending. There was a number of those things like that. So we really battened down the ship for a storm. And we were a team that works remote as well. So when that all hit, it was like, okay, we're like we've already been in like storm mode for a while now. So this doesn't feel that different. That's another episode we should do is running a fully remote company because there's yeah. probably a lot to say about that. Yeah. yeah, we've been doing it since the beginning too. In fact, Going back even to when the company was first formed in 2013, we really got started in 2015. Technically, the company was formed in 2013, but Giovanni and I have never been in, never been in the same city while working on the same. You know, he's always been in San Francisco. I've been in Minneapolis, and yeah, we've been remote from day one. 
So yeah, we have a lot to say about that as well that we could do a whole episode on. We should give a little preview too of some of the stuff that we have coming up like in the company because you mentioned we're, that we're going to do a public beta for Astropad Studio on Windows coming up this summer. And then sometime after that, we are planning on launching a Kickstarter for Luna HDMI for Windows. So we have a lot of stuff coming up. And I'm especially excited about the Kickstarter because our first Kickstarter that we did back in 2017 went way better than I ever expected. And so I'm trying to trying to beat that this time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, good things coming up in, in the rest of the year. Yeah, there's a lot of good stuff in the pipeline. The Kickstarter I'm also especially excited about. I've been playing around, you know, using, I, I use a Lenovo laptop now a lot and been playing around with the Windows builds of our software and, and Luna's looking really good on Windows. So I'm excited to get that out there too, the Kickstarter and get people's you know, impressions of it. I think the Windows is going to be a big opportunity mm-hmm. there as well. And it's something I wish we had done way earlier. You know, maybe that's the one thing you asked earlier, you know, what I had done differently. Wish we had gone to Windows way earlier, right? Mm-hmm. Like just had gone, forced ourselves to go cross-platform way, way earlier. And that's been a lesson for the future as well, is like anything we do in the future will be built in a way that it can be cross-platform or it can be web-based or it can be, you know, we never want to be tied down in the situation again where one platform has total control over over one of our products. You know, we're, we're not going to get that. We learned our lesson the hard way. Yeah, as, as often happens. And, you know, we're not going to do that again. Well, that was going to be one of my other questions for you because WWDC is coming up next week. And I'm sure there will be other third party developers watching, hoping that they don't get Sherlocked. And if you could give them one piece of advice to take away from our experience, what would it be? Would it be, you know, go cross platform as soon as you can? What would you say? Yeah, so it depends on, there's really like two strategies, you know, go cross-platform. That may make sense for your particular situation. In our situation, that makes a lot of sense to go cross-platform. And we had had customers asking for it for years anyway. So we knew the customer base was there. It was really like the safe choice for us to make. The other one is to double down on advanced features. And an example I really like to use for this one is... One password, and actually, one password has both both the cross platform and the features thing gone. But, but to elaborate a bit more, Apple introduced—I don't know exactly what they call it—like iCloud passwords, something along those lines, where it'll synchronize and save your passwords between devices. And this was a total shot across the bow. Password managers like one password. The thing is, is Apple's functionality is really limited. So if you're like a team, say like us, that needs to share passwords that's not going to work for you. And so we are a paying customer of 1Password because we want their their team support because it works really well for us. It's much more advanced. So if you can do that, that's a great option that you can build in really advanced features that are just going to completely set you apart from anything Apple's doing. That's a good option as well. For us, we just couldn't see anything that was going to be an absolute killer feature that was going to set us. I mean, Mac to Mac was a killer feature for Luna, but outside of that, especially for Astropad 2, we just didn't know what was going to be the killer feature 
to really, really, really distinguish us, it seemed like going cross-platform was more powerful. And so that's the choice. So those are both two good options. In the case of 1Password, they're also cross-platform. So if you want to, if you're somebody that has an Android tablet or an Android phone and also a Mac and you want to synchronize passwords, well, you're going you're gonna to use 1Password because Apple stuff doesn't work there. So they've, they've really got both things going for them, which is, which is really strong, was really great. But we were talking about advice to, to other third-party developers. Yeah, yeah. And it's really go cross-platform, build those advanced features that are going to set you apart from Apple. You know, do the stuff that they're not going to do because they're going to move much slower than you are. So looking at where we at, are at today, you know, we're getting ready to launch on Windows, all of that. What would you say are the biggest challenges that we're facing now? Yeah, it, it still relates to going cross-platform because not only is it building for cross-platform, but there's there's more than just that, right? Like a lot of us on the team are Mac people that have been in the Mac ecosystem for a long, long time. I mean, Giovanni and I met as Apple interns years ago at Apple. Like we're very versed in the Apple ecosystem. We know it very well. We know we have contacts. We have both at Apple and in the press. We understand the customer very well. So there's a lot of new things to understand about the Windows market. And how do we market to people on the Windows market? How do we develop press contacts for the Windows market? How do we support customers in the Windows market? You know, what are what are going to be the major customer support issues you run into? You know, that's totally new to us. Yeah, outside of you, yeah. we're totally going to figure it out. And we've also hired some people too onto the team that have really a Windows background too, that has been really great because they've been able to put, you know, new energy into the team and new knowledge. You know, they're not Mac people. They're, they've been working on Windows a long time. So that's been really helpful. But that's still the big challenge is there's a lot of unknown unknowns when, yeah. it, comes to, when it comes to Windows. But, you know, we'll, we'll get through it. There's just a lot of work to get through. So. Mm -hmm. It's like the Wild West for us. And we, yeah, there's so much to learn about Windows customers and users. And, you know, we've been doing lots of surveys to try to get to know them. And even as artists, you know, Windows, artists on Windows use, they're doing different kinds of art. You know, Absolutely. there's more like 3D work. And, and so there's just, there's a lot to learn. And yeah, I don't have any doubt that we'll figure it out. But it's way deeper than just developing the product for Windows. There's all these facets, support, marketing that play into it. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. The other thing is it's been a fun challenge though. Like it's it's something new. It's for a lot of us, it's a new thing. And so it's been fun to to dig in. I've been having fun. It's been a long time since I've used Windows extensively. So it's, you know, fun to fun to learn something new and to learn learn a new ecosystem and yeah, yeah, it's a new challenge, and I think that's what a lot of us thrive on too. If <laughs> if we get bored, it's not good. So we always want a new challenge. Oh yeah, oh yeah, we like the spice, as I absolutely. would say. The spice, absolutely. Yeah, for sure. Well, anything else from the? I don't know. I thought of a lot of potential episode topics as we were talking through this. Like I could talk about Kickstarter all yeah, day long. Yeah, we definitely we need we definitely need to talk about Kickstarter. We're going to do that. Kickstarter, working remote, yep. branding. Yep. Wow, there's yep. a lot. A lot of a lot lessons to learned. Dive into. Yeah. yeah, we generally learn things the hard way too by going through it. So. I mean, we learn things by doing, <laughs> yeah, by absolutely. doing them. And then, yeah, 
maybe it's the hard way, but we take something away from everything that we do. Yeah. And at the very least, it's usually a good blog post, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's a good story. It's a good story. <laughs> yeah. Well, thanks, Savannah. This was fun. Yeah, we can end it here. Yeah, this is definitely fun. And yeah, so if you're listening to this, let us know what you think and let us know if there's other future topics you'd like us to talk about. Till then, take care now. All right. All right.